The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. May be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. How many of you brought your envelopes this week? Ooh, that's so good. What'd you draw on them? Very good. That's how you talk with God. How about you, Finn? Oh, nice. What is it? Not sure? Sometimes drawing is how we talk with God, too. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Prayer. For those of you who weren't here last week, or for those of you who uh, were here but don't have an envelope, that's okay. What we are doing is drawing on our envelopes how we talk with God. And then putting in some of our tithes and offerings. You can put those into the offering plate when it comes around later on. But who remembers the other thing that we were doing last week? Yes. We were pulling those things out. Very good. Would you like to pick one out? All right. Just one for now. Just one for now. What does it say? I think we did that one. All right, Finn, could you pick another one out for me? Yes. Not now. <laughs> oh, how do you know what to say? That's a good question. How do I know what to say? I think they're talking sometimes about preaching, but it could be a lot of things as a pastor. So does everybody get the question, how do I know what to say? Can everybody look at my nose? Right here? Ava. Ava. I don't always know what to say. I'm just like you. I have no idea, most times, what to say. But when I don't know what to say, here's what I do. I think about the situation. I think about what God would do. I think about what, if I'm honest, I would probably do. I think about other people. And I think about, at the core, 
what would God have me say? If I wasn't me, but if I was just trying to relay a message from God, what would it be? And then I try to say that as best as I can. But I'm just like you. I don't always know what to say. I also want to say one other thing. If everybody could look at my nose one more time. Oh, my nose. My nose. It's okay to not know what to say. That's perfectly okay. That's normal. We've got more envelopes. Last week we drew how we spoke with God. This week I drew something in the corner right here. A heart. How do we express our love for God? Yes. Yeah, kind of. How do we express that love for God? How do we express that love? I think part of that heart... Oh, you already have a heart on yours. That's good. Nice. You're thinking ahead, Cooper. I think part of knowing what to say is having our hearts match God's heart. And so in the same way that God loves us and God never leaves us and God takes care of us, we should have that same heart too for ourselves and for our neighbors. To love them, to never leave them, to take care of them. Yes? Yep. Yep. Whatever money you would use to love your neighbor and love your God, you should put that in there. Whatever action you would do to, to express that love, you should draw that on there and bring them back next week and we'll talk about them. Would you like one, Jack? Yeah. Very good. Amanda. Would you like to take one for Anthony? There you go. Draw on them how you show love for God. Yes, they all have hearts on them. And that heart is to remind you about love, okay? And I bet Amanda can help you. And your mom and dad. Yeah. I have my dog. You can have your dogs help you if you want. Yeah. That's okay. One more real quick thing. Real quick. You know how I talked about our heart should match God's heart? One of the best ways to keep that happening is to go to church so you hear about God's heart, to pray so you hear about God's heart, and to read the Bible so you know about God's heart. I got one more answer. What? Um, and, and, I, and I have my dogs. They're going to chew on it. Oh. Well, that's what dogs do. They're being good dogs. Should we pray? Yep. Let us pray. God, sometimes it's hard to know what to say. Sometimes it's hard to know what to do and how to act. We ask that you might make our hearts like your heart. We might love just like you love, and we might care for our neighbors and for ourselves just as you care for our neighbors and for us. Thank you for being our God, and help us to love one another. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. No, those are mine. Is that a question? No. Or the one we read? Okay. Thank you.
In the name of Jesus, amen. This text is tricky in its seeming simplicity. And we've had a string of these lately, right? Texts that seem pretty simple, but in their practice and in their application, it's a little bit more complicated. The text seems pretty simple, right? Jesus clearly has someone that he's favoriting in this parable. There's a Pharisee who stands uh, before the temple praying, thank you God for not making me like a bunch of other people, especially this tax collector. Not especially, including this tax collector. He gives a tenth of his income. I believe this first one is about prayer. Who's got the text in front of them? What are the two things the Pharisee does? Fast. There you go. He's about his fasting. And he gives 10% of his income. The other man simply stands before God and says, have mercy. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And we know we're supposed to be more like the penitential man. We're supposed to be more like the humble man we think we believe. But there's a trick here. Because the moment that we turn that corner and are thankful that we're not more like the Pharisee, we've kind of overshot. We've missed the point. This text is kind of about both locus of control and our hearts. Let's talk about locus of control for a little bit. Locus of control, as much as I understand it, is how we understand who's in the driver's seat in any given scenario. Who's kind of running the show. Now let me ask you a question. For the penitential man whose single line is, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Who's in the driver's seat for him being righteous, for him being just? He is. The penitential man. It's okay. Who's in the driver's seat for the penitential man, the second man? God. Very good. God is in the driver's seat on whether this man is considered righteous and whether this man is considered justified. He doesn't claim to have any merit that will get him there. He doesn't claim to have any reason for God to be just towards him. He simply stands before God, not looking up to heaven, not able to even enter the temple, and claims himself to be a sinner. Now, the text does not say several things. It doesn't say that this man was horrible and wretched. It doesn't say that at all. It doesn't say that this man was necessarily a known <laughs> sinner in society. It could have been that this man was good. At least in our eyes, it could have been that this man was just kind of average Joe. It could have been that this man was a leader in the community. This man could have been anything. He sees himself as a sinner. Let's talk about the Pharisee. Who is in the driver's seat for the Pharisee? He is. The person who's in the driver's seat for the Pharisee is the Pharisee. Now, there's a mask here. Because this is said in a prayer to God. God, thank you. I am not like these people, including this task collector. So the mask is there. We could say, well, actually, 
This Pharisee is giving thanks to God. This Pharisee is saying, thank you, God, in your infinite wisdom for making me how I am so that I might be just, so that I might be righteous. But then, he does that list. I'm devout in my fasting. I give 10% of my income. Those eyes are what give us a clue that honestly... It's not about what God has done for this Pharisee. It's about what this Pharisee is doing. Only one in our understanding as Christians, only one in Jesus' teaching, makes righteous. Only one makes holy. Only one makes just. And that would be God. The penitential man understands this. At least he seems to at the time. It's not his understanding that makes him just. It is rather something that God has already done before. The Pharisee does not understand this. But it is not his lack of understanding that makes him unjust. There is one, one, who makes just. There is one who makes righteous. There is one who makes holy. And how God does that is completely independent of you. Of me, of us. We see in the waters of baptism that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We see in the waters of baptism a grace given to newborn infants before they have the opportunity to be just or unjust. We see in the waters of baptism a, cleanse, a cleansing event that follows us for the rest of our lives. We are not made just or unjust by ourselves. We are seen justified by the grace of God. What's in God's heart takes place in the world. We know God's heart by God's actions, right? We know the heart of God by what God does. We know God loves us, not because God simply wrote out one day, I love you, and sent it to us, but because God became flesh, lived among us, and gave his body and his blood to us so that God might be ever closer. God didn't take that death as a finality, but rather, God took that death and made life out of it. The death that we regularly create, God makes life. In any text study that I do, I go through, and a lot of folks who have had Sunday school with me at some point know this, I go through three basic pieces. What's the text trying to do, say, or accomplish? What are our questions? And then finally, so what? The text seems to be telling us that our righteousness, our justice, is not dependent on our own regard. The text also seems to be telling us that our actions matter. So I think, in a very loose way, we can see what this text is trying to do, say, or accomplish. We might have questions. We might have questions about what's the Pharisee actually accomplishing in his acts, because these acts are good. We still fast. We still give 10% of our income. We might ask ourselves, what was this penitential man? We might ask ourselves how God, or how Jesus came up with these characters. We might ask ourselves if these were based on true things, or made up things from Jesus. 
But at the end of the day, I want to talk about the so what. If we think we understand the text, that our righteousness is not based on us, but, is, but instead is given to us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. If we also understand that our actions matter, what we do, what is in our hearts and affects the world, that matters. So what? Well, I believe that we start taking a greater sense of importance with what's in our heart. There's a phrase, imagio dei, the image of God. That's how we're made. We were made in the image of God. Humanity was made in the image of God. In the same way that what God's heart has in it is done in this world, we are the same. What is in our hearts will inevitably be carried out in the world. We are like God in that fashion. What is in our hearts will be done. Which means that what's in our heart is important. It's not good to be like the Pharisee. And while we don't give thanks that we're unlike the Pharisee, we also watch who we are and what we are and what we're about. We take stock of how we're viewing others. It's not good to look at someone else and to claim superiority. It's not good to look at someone else and claim some kind of righteousness or unrighteousness because of who that other person is. For example, it's not good to think that you're better than your pastor if your football team won. <laughs> Just kidding. It's okay. It's not good to consider how much you put into the offering plate, look at someone else and say, you know what, I'm, I'm closer to God because of that. It's not good to look at what you do in the working structures of a church and say, you know what, I'm a better disciple because of this. It's not good to look at your actions and tie them so closely to your justification, to your grace, to your mercy. One alone makes holy, one alone makes just. Now your care for your pastor matters. Your giving matters. Your work in the congregation matters. There's a major so what for us today as citizens of the United States, as the polis, the public. We're in the middle of an election cycle. Now, while it can be uneasy to talk about the experience of an election cycle in church, because a lot of times we want to divorce those things, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm going to tell you how to be a Christian. When you see along the side of a road the sign of the candidate that you do not support, if in your heart you feel a sense of superiority, because of, some, because of your support of someone else, if in your heart you feel a sense of superiority because of who that person supports, we are a little bit off from how God sees that same person. If you watch the debates and in your heart you feel a sense of superiority towards another human being, if in your heart you feel a sense of superiority towards another group of people, 
we are a little bit off in how God views those people and that person if by how you vote or by how you work or by how you act you come to a sense of superiority. We're a little bit off in how God views those other people and yourself. We are all loved regardless of political affiliation. We are all saved by grace regardless of social belief. We have no merit. All of us are sinners. All of us It is not good that we should treat one another any differently. And so this coming election, just like in the text, your actions matter. What you do matters. But there will be votes of every kind. In this place, in the church triumphant, in the world. Do the work that matters as best as you can. But at the end of the day, you are no different. We are no different. God has mercy for us all. God has grace for us all. God will bring justice for us all. The work matters. What matters more, or I should say just as much, is what's in your heart. Do the work that matters. Pay attention to your heart. Because what's in here will inevitably be let out. May God bless us in the work as citizens. May God bless us in the work as Christians. May God soften our hearts towards our neighbor and especially those whom we disagree with. God be with us all. Amen.